We have more data. And I really like that element to it because even when you're thinking about your headlines, right? You're like, okay, well, which headlines do I test? I might see like, all right, well, what keywords do I want? Well, if I'm already running a paid campaign, I can go in and see, all right, well, what's already resonating? If they're targeting something similar, I can see what ad copy is generating clicks, what ad copy is generating leads, what ad copy is generating MQLs. Who is that particular audience? Now I can also see what creative are they responding to. And so now when I'm trying to decide what headlines to test or what blog post to write or whatever it is, I already have so much more data than I had before. And I like that. Hey, everybody. It's the Data-Driven Marketer. I'm Adam. I'm Mark. I'm Casey. Welcome back for another Hang in the Data Basement. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. And special thanks to our guest today, Casey Gillette, who's the Senior Director of Digital at Co-Marketing. I am. Thank you so much for having me. I was just saying, like, you know, your guys' spaces are super cool. The Data Basement <laughs> is, is much cooler than it sounds. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I'll throw to you for a quick intro on kind of your background and how you ended up here. Yeah. So I, you know, I think a lot about my career and, you know, how people get into SEO. And you know, we were kind of joking about this before, but it's crazy to think about. I started in SEO in 2005 and it was really kind of, you know, the company I was at was really ahead of its time. Unfortunately, there were a bunch of imbeciles and couldn't keep it together. But it was really cool to learn. And, you know, it was something that I immediately just was like, okay, this is what I want to be doing, right? Like that in college, my friends would make fun of me for being on the internet. Again, you know, the early 2000s. And, you know, it wasn't as common. I think we still had um, Ethernet, right? You still had to plug your computer in. And it was just something that I loved. And I knew this is the future, right? This is where I want to be. And here we are in 2022, almost 2023, and still doing it. It's awesome. Yeah, it's funny to to think about how it's gone from this thing that no one knows what it is to this thing that everybody needs and wants to to bankroll. Usually, sometimes sometimes in advance when and they should. Usually, when it's too late and someone's already screwed it up. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, I mean, I remember you know the first time, and again, I would. It was my grandma. And, you know, grandma's not, she wasn't like an unhip lady, if you will. But like, I was trying to explain to her what I did. And I said, oh, you know, like, if, if you if you Google something, and she goes, well, what's Google? And I said, well, you know, you're on the internet. And she's like, oh, I don't have the internet. I was like, well, I don't know how to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the foundational assumption that everyone knows what a crawler is. And how things are indexed and served in a browser. It's, it's just, it's like a quantum leap. Yeah, right. Doesn't assumption. everybody know that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, listeners have definitely heard us. Mark and I talk about it enough, so we don't need to repeat. But same deal. It's, it's, I'll say it this way for a bunch of marketers. You fit the demographic of our favorite people to talk to. Which are the, which are the ones that like, you know, we didn't have names for the stuff we were doing early in our careers. And so it's like, later somebody says, oh, that's called multimedia. And you're like, oh, great. I didn't think to make up a word. For, I didn't think to like try to capture a category. I know to now. <laughs> but at the time, it's just like, we could also make you a, a video. Right. <laughs> or like, <laughs> we could put that in a website for you that would be optimized. I remember a couple of years ago, you know, pillar for content, you know, in terms of content marketing, pillar pages were the big thing. And 
you know, there was, you know, a couple people who were like really well known for it. And they're talking about everyone's talking about this groundbreaking thing. I was like, we've been doing this for years. We just didn't call it that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's like when, when everyone was, you know, when the whole, uh, trolls and like election spamming thing happened, it was like, yeah, we've been, I've been doing comments spam and forum spam for for like a decade. You guys, you guys just figured that out. I know. Oh yeah. One of one of my buddies, um, you know, he loved, he we don't talk about it as much anymore. But when I first met him, um, this was uh, you know, Dig was big, right? And so one of the, the company he was working for, like they did a lot of content promotion and link building. And one of their entire strategies was like using bots to get their content to the top of dig. Like that's not new, right? This isn't new. We're right. just shifting of how we do it. We right. evolve. Yeah. I mean, that's the fun. There's a, there's a vaguely gray hat sort of pirate aspect to the stuff that was right at the edge. And you know, I was like, I don't know, it's 22. I didn't care. I know. Like, yeah, put put every keyword that we want to rank for at the bottom of the page in the same color as the background. I, so that was that a solid. Was, that worked for years. It was a great. Before strategy. Google was like, wait a minute, this is a problem. <laughs> it was also probably the first time that I realized like how into it I was, like how like I was just nerding out about it. I remember I'm doing like a site audit, and I get to this page, and there's a bunch of hidden content at the bottom. And out loud, I go, "Ah, oh, cool." <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'm really in this now, right? Yeah, it's exactly when you start nerding out over that stuff is when yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it's do not a large job. A, this is a complete aside, but you'll appreciate it. I had a blog for the production company, and we were getting work from other places, so we didn't have to lean too hard on the SEO stuff. But we started playing the weird games where it was like, okay, can we can we find a term that doesn't seem to exist in the index so far and try to rank for it. And it turned into a, a weekly series we did on that blog for a while where we just made up fake bands and then got our graphic designer to make a fake album cover for it. That and it was awesome. all based on like, okay, the bourbon babies don't seem to exist on Google yet. Like, let's make up that there's some kind of, you know, uh, Birkenstock so rock, I think is what we classified the <laughs> bourbon babies as. Oh, I still everybody have that knows that. Classic genre. Classic. <laughs> The timeless called riding the brown pony, and the album cover had like a frat boy riding a, 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 yeah, a, the, a barrel. <laughs> it was barrel, yeah, it was terrible. That's amazing. Anyway, we ranked for that for a little while. If anyone happened to type in <laughs> "bourbon babies," until Google realized they're not a real band. So we've gotten to a really interesting place with SEO because at this point, I work with people who haven't come up through that, and they've learned it in a very sort of technical way, like get the certifications, that kind of thing. Part of it. Though still, it's the thing that we've always done all along, which was Google doesn't tell you what's in the updates. It's just trying to make the search engine better so that it can keep doing its job of organizing the world's data and making sure it's available to you so they can sell ads against it and maintain their business model. They don't tell you what the changes are that impact your SEO stuff. And (laughs) they do give them cute names though. And so it's like, you've got to go into a meeting with a client or with some executives and go... Google rolled out an update called Panda. <laughs> and that's why our numbers suck. <laughs> like, uh, or humming, Hummingbird. Or, or hummingbird. That was very innocuous, yeah. right? That's a real fun one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hummingbird, Panda. It feels roly-poly, but it just changed the ranking of our three <laughs> just, best pages. just crushed our business. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what's, your, what's your sort of take on that aspect of it? Well, you know, I think one of the things that's always really excited me about it 
Um, and I think he used the term like we're pirates. Like, right? <laughs> like we're always trying to figure out like how do our outsmart Google. And I don't even know if it's outsmarting them necessarily, but it's understanding what's happening, right? And I love that element. Um, I love that, you know, when something happens, and for the most part, let me just be very clear, like, I was never really black hat, like, I'm a rules follower, just in general in life, like, (laughs) won't surprise anybody. Um, But there's always an element to figuring out what's happening, right? Whether your page drops, whether your site drops, like, here's an example, like, I had a client just recently, they just decided to no index their site. So you look in, you know, I'm looking, I'm like, what in the world? Like, well, yeah, okay, I go and look and they just decided to put a tag on it. Great. (laughs) You don't know, you don't know to check the robot file. You're like, that's, it's so, it's so common. Yeah. 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 So there's always stuff like that. So it's not even like you're just battling against Google. Sometimes you're battling against yourselves. Exactly. That's... (laughs) (laughs) User error. Uh, it sometimes it just takes it takes the right you know, bedside manner from the SEO to go. Okay, I'm not calling you dumb, but the thing you did is limiting your ability to be seen in Google. Is technically problematic, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's very polite. I like that. Yeah, so I kind of want to back up to to the foundational piece, and I think you already teed up a perfect segue for me. What do you tell your your grandma that you do? in terms of defining SEO? You know, it's gotten a little easier, I think. Um, Partly because one, people are more aware of SEO. But I also think people are more aware of the search engines and the search engines intent of not just being this, you know, nice website where you go to find things, right? So now people almost see Google as the enemy, right? Not just us marketers, like, People are on to them for, you know, their the data and, you know, taking our money and whatever else it is. So, you know, now what I basically say is, you know, if you have a business and someone's looking for you, my job is to help people find you, which, you know, really simplifies it. But at the heart of it, that's what we're doing, right? It, it's finding, making sure that the right person finds you in the right place. That's all it is. The heart of marketing. And have you always been on the B2B side or did you, was the agency you started in uh, on B2C? Uh, the agency I started in was We'll Take Anything. And so I had a myriad of weird sites. Um, I had one of my first clients was actually like an adult website. Um, I worked on a dating site. I worked on a site that made the casters for office chairs. <laughs> so it oh, was cool. I love really, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and then when I moved to my second job was at Co-Marketing, which is the organization I'm with now. And at the time, we were still doing a little bit of both. So I had a site that was like e-com. They sold like stationery and things like that. And really, probably about a year or two into that, you know, the owner of the company decided, you know, we have a lot of clients in this B2B space. There aren't a lot of people doing this. This could be the thing that really differentiates us from these other agencies. And so it just became something that that was our thing, right? And we really stuck to that. Um, And, you know, there's a benefit to that because you understand, you know, lead gen is very different than e-com. And so, you know, it's much easier to translate that over to client, to client, to client. And and so now we have a lot of software and technology. So you guys got in pretty early and kind of defined the category in a way in terms of B2B SEO. That's awesome. Yeah, it was. And again, I think that really made our business. How did you guys kind of 
measure yourself against the industry? Do you, do you look? Do you have influencers that you relied on? Did you guys use an outside agency yourself to get your initial footprint? So, um, you know, and I'll speak personally because when I started, there were only three of us. Um, so it was very small. Um, and still, you know, there's 30 of us now. So, you know, it, it's still fairly small. But I can't tell you how much time I spent on, you know, sites like Search Engine Land. At the time, you know, there was SES and SMX and, you know, these various conferences. I was spending time in Dig and Spin, which was like Search Engine Land's, you know, social network. You know, the people at the time, the Danny Sullivans and the Rand Fishkins and, you know, all the various people, like that was how I learned, right? I spent hours upon hours just reading blogs every day, reading blogs to see what are people doing. And that hasn't even changed that much, to be honest, right? Right. Yeah, it's funny. It's like looking in a mirror. I'm the same way. I was the same, although not in the B2B space. I was, this is the first time. Well, there's still, there's forever this sort of forensic aspect to it where, like I said, an update rolls out and then you have to, you know, they kind of, they'll give you the broad strokes of like, this one incorporates layout more. But like, there's also hundreds of other changes. Or then they roll I mean, out something like AMP. When you're like, at, okay. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, now it's a little bit different. You know, I used to want to be, and I used to try to be the person like investigating that as soon as things happen. I got too much to do now. So now, you know, there's the Glenn Gabe's and Lily Rays of the world where something happens and they're, they're already analyzing it day one. I'm just going to go see what they have to say. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really, having the capacity to run those, to run those tests and kind of be reactive to algorithm updates in real time, et cetera, or, or even have somebody on the, you know, the webmaster call with John Mueller to, to ask the right questions and spin it right. up into content. Like that takes work. That takes time. It's something I've always, Thought, oh man, it'd be really cool to be one of those guys really on the professionalized <laughs> yeah. for sure, which yeah. then makes it its own role. And so if you're if you're pirates like us, you're sort of in that situation yeah. going, yeah, but it's better for me to instead have five people that watch the blogs That's and I just right. tell them what to do, mm-hmm. which right. is also fun. <laughs> so also the interesting thing I'm sort of interested to see, you know, like what what you bump into on the agency side. What blows me away on a consistent basis still as I move from different companies or I take clients or whatever is for how long it's been around and for how much easier it gets to explain, like you said to your grandmother, what you do, there are still situations we come into where they say, well, we're not ranking for X, Y, and Z. And then we kind of start our like fundamental audit and we start to try to explain, well, look, you think this is a content play, but I can get you this 50% bump just because your core vitals are busted. And people still kind of look at you with this blank stare like, yeah, but I, I came to you for content marketing. Right. <laughs> You're like, don't talk like, to me well, about my technical an, stats. There's an extra thing here, though. And the reason that we get paid the big bucks is because our stuff performs better because we do this other thing. But it does mean that for the first few months, it's going to look like we're not working. That's Because right. we're just fixing stuff under the hood that's going to make a giant difference when somebody Googles, you know, Acme Corp, whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, our, we do, so just, so we don't actually do any, and that's probably not true. I probably have one program that's just content marketing, but any program that we start, um, and, and honestly, we started doing content just because of SEO. We, we needed to do content to, to make SEO successful, but technical has always been a piece of that and continues to be. In fact, I just launched a new client last week. And the first thing we do is a technical audit. Right, like let's see how your site's performing. Let's see what we can fix for exactly what you just said. 
you never know, right? You know, I mentioned that like the the client de-indexing their site. Yeah. Well, they want to know why traffic's down. Well, Google can't get to your site anymore. So, right. Um, and even the client that I just did it, it wasn't, you know, their site wasn't terrible, but almost every URL in their navigation was pointing to an incorrect link. So there were redirects and errors. And it's like, this stuff may seem minor, but at the end of the day, that's what's going to help you. Yeah. It's the, it, it's the banal kind of line by line through the, through the screaming frog or whatever, through, you know, the Ahrefs crawl. It's, it's, that, it's that boring link audit and, and manual check of all the little nuts and bolts that make the machine go, you know. Yeah. But I do think it's trending toward fewer blank stairs. It only took 17 yeah. years. <laughs> I mean, I will say, I, I have said this recently, that I feel like I am dealing with much more sophisticated clients ever, now more so than ever, when it comes to their knowledge of, of search and content and paid search, all of that. Like The people who are now running the organizations or have these like VP or CMO level roles have much more of an understanding than ever before. Do you find that clients are coming to you mostly for uh, for starting from scratch, or do you have to fix a lot of bad SEO that people have done in the past for your clients? It really varies. Um, it used to be, and, and again, I think that's really an indication just as how our business has changed a little bit because we used to work with much smaller clients than we do now, and that was really people who were just starting out. Whereas now. It's clients like maybe they did a little bit or they had an agency years ago or they had an internal person who left. I also have like, we're very fortunate. I have a, a client contact who has worked for with us for 12 years and she has brought us into various, like pretty much everywhere she goes, she brings us with her. And so, you know, unfortunately for the other agency, which like, whatever, that happens to us too. But like, you know, they <laughs> get you out. So. That's why Mark's yeah. here. <laughs> 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 so yeah, you know, it varies. Yeah. So we talk a lot these days about almost a different role, I guess, that we're trying to sort of coin the marketing engineer. That's really like, to me, that says what I feel like I actually do all day now, because I'm at a level where it's so complicated that somebody says, well, can you explain that program to me? And they set up a half hour meeting. And I go, okay, I'm going to do it. But it's going to feel like one of those micro machines commercials from the 90s. And then you're going to look at me and go... I don't understand anything that you just said. <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's that complicated. Yeah. But like, curious sort of your take on like, like having ridden the same way that we did the evolution of those tricks into things were sort of like, okay, you need to have X number of words and like all that kind of stuff. And then we got to a B testing. To me, that's the fork that gets us to the engineering thing because it, it, some of it's the technical stuff and it, engineer makes sense. Cause it's a, developer heavy thing to go fix technical problems. But then there's a step past it that's sort of like another facet of engineering or, or maybe maybe marketing scientist would be the way to, better way better way to say it. Like it's not quite data science, but it's the understanding that okay, we're, we want to do these tests at the top of the funnel and that like this is part of our machine that, that always blows people away. And I don't mind talking about it openly because it's an execution <laughs> struggle. Good luck executing. That's right. But right. we run A-B testing like at the very top of the funnel. Like if there are mess, and this is my favorite part of it. So the part I've always hated about marketing, and the listeners have heard me say this a hundred times, I'm saying it again, was the part where you'd be in a room with 10 creatives who are all pitching something that it, it's all awesome. And you're the decision maker that has to go, well, these are the best three. And you do the best you can to make an informed decision. But in the end, you're just kind of guessing. And... <laughs> 
now you can run all 10. Like pretty basically Canva, do some stuff, put a thing yeah. up there, see if you get any clicks and you can yeah. run crazy A-B testing at the top. But now you're into like, okay, but you have to design those tests properly and just immediately crazy complicated. But yeah, I'm curious sort of your experience of living through that, that wave of the shift in this stuff because it's definitely it turned into a different game from just like, okay, you need to have these tags. You need to I mean, sure you write 5,000 words. I love it because honestly, what I think it has shifted us toward is away from uh, that guesswork. You know, and don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of guesswork involved in what we do. But even thinking about like attribution has gotten better, right? Like the technology has gotten better, you know, or at least it's being understood a bit more, right? There's still obviously attribution challenges. People don't know like what, what they should actually be tracking or attributing things to, but we have more data. And I really like that element to it because even when you're thinking about your headlines, right? You're like, okay, well, which headlines do I test? You know, I might see like, all right, well, what keywords do I want? Well, if I'm already running a paid campaign, I can go in and see, all right, well, what's already resonating, right? If they're targeting something similar, I can see what ad copy is generating clicks, what ad copy is generating leads, what ad copy is generating MQLs, right? Who is that particular audience? Now I can also see what creative are they responding to? And so now when I'm trying to decide what headlines to test or what blog post to write or whatever it is, I already have so much more data than I had before. And I like that. So I <laughs> think you have a big smile well, on your face. I can't wait to hear yeah. it. <laughs> well, because it's... Cause it's but this is also the fun part though that I still find myself explaining to people. Like, So occasionally, somebody less digitally savvy might take a look at your, you know, your keywords, your analytics or whatever and say... How come you're paying, say you're paid media, right? Now I pull out keywords and say, how come you're paying for that phrase? Like that wasn't in our cluster. And usually it's because people who don't know how to talk about a thing don't know what to search for. And so they type what seems like silly stuff. But if it's converting, we don't care. I don't care. Right. So I'm smiling because that's the funny part that's kind of hacky where you're, you're starting back at, okay, what's the existing stuff in market? What are the keywords? What are the trends? You're looking at all this stuff and then my favorite game is trying to find that white space where you're like, okay, but if you don't understand how ads work, <laughs> but you want to buy data, you might call it this thing that all the data scientists would go <laughs> at. But like, that's not how the real world works when you're just yeah. smashing stuff into Google to try to find the thing you think is going to make your ads work better. <laughs> I know. So, it's, <laughs> it's the reason why it's like, I think uh, the reason I, I brought up testing as, as a topic today is because one of my favorite kind of flywheels is looking in, taking um, search insights, which is not the keyword that you plugged in, right? It's, it's, it's showing, Google showing you exactly what phrasing is being used to trigger the ad that connects to the keyword you pushed in. And I think that's, I've, I've developed so many effective content plays just out of looking like, like Kirk was saying, like this is, you know, we think about it as Facebook targeting tool or, you know, programmatic advertising optimization. We have a use case, you know, but the way someone types, writes in what they're thinking that they need is an indicator to you. Okay, this is the way people are talking about it. And in our little insular circle of engineers and marketers, we talk about it one way, but in terms of defining a need state, it's like, okay, we can also, we can write ads that, that have it in this kind of almost like backwards, maybe not super grammatically correct, <laughs> you know, like, 
Um, uh, I was I was at a, an, a content event a couple of weeks ago, and Andy Crestavina, who is just I think like a content genius, he's just so smart, especially in like the B two B space. He was talking about, and it you know, and I, it's like one of those things where it's so simple, but he made the comment about like no one is looking for the term solutions, right? Like how many people are looking for like marketing attribution solution? Mm-hmm. No. It's exactly People love what to you main guys nab that saying. one. I know. Like it's yeah. that bad. Like, oh, nobody and says I, solutions. I'm, I'm laughing because I'm so <laughs> guilty of it. But then I was like, that's exactly right. Like they're you want no, they're looking to solve their problems. And this and right. search has become much different in that manner of how people actually search. You guys are so spot on. That's one of those like the number of times that I've been in a meeting where that comes up and people are debating, and I go, <laughs> I think we should call it how we can help you. <laughs> like take a bow and leave the room. <laughs> Mic drop. I'll fix this problem. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but and it's funny because some of it is like some of that is 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 antiquated notions of how to website based on like, well, you need to have a nav and you need to have a sub nav and you need to have a whatever. And it's like mobile kind of breaks all that. There's still a lot of best practicing around, yeah, but we need this to be here and that because we're B2B. And it's kind of like, no, most of B2B traffic is on mobile now too, because that's where everybody is. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I think is cool is like, we now have that data to back up those assumptions, right? So I love all the different keyword tools that are out there now. I mean, even just going back to like a Google search query report, right? If you are running those paid ads to get the actual insights of the types of things people are asking. Like I remember um, probably five or six years ago when like questions became the big thing. Like, do you guys remember? It was like, the whole world had learned about answer the public and it was yeah. like the coolest thing. Schema. Um, it's all structured data implementation. Exactly. I'm sure you guys were doing a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was, and even now, like all of these different, you know, SEM rush and Moz and all these tools have those questions built in. Now you see that the people also ask boxes and search. And so you get a much better sense of, okay, yeah, you want to call it solutions, but look, this is what people are actually asking for. And we all know that, you know, the, the C-suite loves data. So the more we can have to back up our assumptions and our recommendations, the better. The funny thing about when I do that in the meetings is like, it's when I feel the most millennial, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, because it's like, I know my answers don't feel corporate, right? And they, they don't feel in line with the B2B, like enterprise sales sort of way of... It's all like, it's all just part and parcel, I think, of the, yeah. the consumerization just getting weird because now it's like, well, it's business stuff, but we also need to get you on Instagram because that's the new media stream instead of, you know, cable news or whatever. Yeah. Um, We were actually, I was just talking to a colleague um, yesterday and we were talking about like running ads, right. And, you know, specifically like TV ads. And she, she does a lot of like media buying. She does media buying for our organization. And she was saying that like, you know, TV isn't even worth, isn't even worth being on for, Mm. These, and, and like I said, like we work with a B2B, a lot of B2B technology. And even the um like the internet TV is like people who are likely to buy that are likely to pay to not have ads. So it's like, right. okay, even these assumptions that you have, like, yeah, it, we're very millennial. The people you millennial. want are paying to not see your ad. <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Right. So exactly. that's why I that's why I I, you know, ampl- I like to amplify or or recommend the podcast medium obviously we we exist in it we create in it we we stand by it you know and we've kind of been pirate pioneers in this new media space but it is you know it's it's incredible how many brands that that i've heard 
on a, a fledgling podcast like like Noom was one that that really built a huge footprint. Everywhere. And now they're everywhere. Now they're doing their national commercials. But they started out really small, you know, doing like two hundred thousand dollar podcast ad reads, but across the right targeted podcast because they knew their audience, they made a data driven decision to break in that way. Yeah. Turns yeah. out in the modern media landscape, radio ads are still the best. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in terms of form, that's you know, a podcast ad read is no different. I've had a very funny experience recently of moving from Los Angeles to rural Virginia. Now it's like I'm back to a thing I remember from the cable days, but had an experience since I lived back here in college. But like you get those really polished ads where you're like, okay, that's a McDonald's ad. And then you get the ones for like the local Honda dealership. (laughs) And it's just like, oh, this suddenly went down to 480p. It's the same with the it's the same with podcast. It's it's the only time I've been very aware of like programmatic podcast ad injection because it's suddenly like you should come on down to Bob Bob Bob's big boy on Route Twenty Nine. Like oh man, that same dynamic exists and it's hilarious. Like you're suddenly the daily has has brown Honda ads in it. <laughs> that is one of my favorite things um, about. So like I grew up in Rochester, New York, and I don't know if people like know like. There's a Rochester accent and you know, you just, you don't know it if you, if you've never heard it, if you're not from there, but it's like this long A, but my favorite. It's almost Canadian. It's almost Minnesota. Put your family, Adam. Put your boots on, Adam. My favorite thing is when I go home and the radio ads, the local ones are so Rochester accent. (laughs) Oh, we have the same in Baltimore. (laughs) Very distinct accent. You get any of the Oreos game? Like, okay, that's a local ad. Uh, I want to back up to uh, what you're saying about attribution uh, in part because I'm literally attending a call tomorrow entitled The Attribution Mirage, which is clickbait. But also, it's a little true. You know, it, it seems like attribution is a forever project inside of a marketing uh, department of a certain size. My take is it doesn't mean it's not working and not providing value but also is a weird forever project. Yeah. People are territorial, right? About what they're doing. People want to say that what I'm doing is proving value or the most value, right? We're all fighting for budgets. And so when you're thinking about attribution, like I know that, you know, the paid team is going to say, okay, well, they clicked this ad and then they downloaded the form. Well, you know what? Maybe they came back and they searched and came through organic, or maybe they found them on Twitter and came back. But that doesn't mean that any of those things are less valuable, right? It just means that it makes it more difficult to track. But I think the biggest thing is we're all fighting for that budget. So we all want to be the source that drove that lead. Is there a a tactic that you would recommend B2B marketers, whether it's budgeting for attribution? budgeting for SEO when they build a new website? Like what's what's a tactic B2B marketers could start implementing today? So I had a client who did more of like the T-shaped model where they went through and they started assigning value to the different channels based on what came through, what the what came through is like marketing qualified, sales qualified, turned into actual customers. And that was a great way to start, right? So they at least knew, okay, well, 
we spent X amount on paid, but we actually saw a lot of our customers come through on paid. Or, hey, you know, we did, you know, and I'm just going to use this as an example, right? We did some, you know, so we did LinkedIn ads, right? We have a lot of clients who do LinkedIn ads. And one of the challenges there is that they're not always necessarily direct, right? Or it's just people who want to, down, they want that information, right? Because a lot of it is like downloading a report or watching a webinar, right? So those are much softer versus, you know, coming in and filling out a form that doesn't make it a bad lead, but you give it a lower percentage of your score, right? Because they're more top of the funnel, right? They're a different spot in the funnel. And so it's a really long process. But if you sit down and do it, it gives you much better insights into how your marketing channels are performing. I have like a 100 other things I want to talk about, but... (laughs) We're running out of time. So we'll hit you with a wrap-up question. Okay. This was so fast. What's the first ad that you remember? Oh, goodness. Or you can replace it with your favorite ad if you... Like some of our guests don't want to date yourself. Oh, I don't mind that. Um, (laughs) One of the first ads I remember was the Dunkin' Donuts guy. Um, Time to make the donuts. (laughs) Time to make the donuts. Oh, that's such a great one. Um, but uh, I will say like my favorite ads now, and again, I think this dates me more so than that, is the progressive ones where like you're turning into your parents. Like I just, I can't, I was like, every single one <laughs> is me. The one where they're like going to the football game and they're talking about like getting out early to be <laughs> traffic. So <laughs> still going to leave in the third quarter, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. I remember one of the first times I truly <laughs> felt like, okay, I'm old. Was I, I was like, well, I should leave this concert. We should leave this concert. We should leave this Pearl Jam concert early <laughs> so, we can get, so we can beat traffic out. Now, in LA, traffic is a two and a half hour ordeal to get out of that, like the forum parking lot. So, but still, I was like, oh. it's real. I mean, those commercials are, they speak to me. Uh, the time to make the donuts one makes me think of a thing that, that I like. I can't think of anywhere that this has happened recently, but it may just be my own media consumption. But like that time to make the donuts thing, like that, that became a pop culture phenomenon. Like, like yeah. where's the beef? Well, I was going to say it, with the same. Did the same. Yeah. That happen anymore? You know, I think like they were just these icons, right? Of a commercial. But even now you think about, right? Even like progressive has flow. Like they've tried to make these. Yeah, that's and, fair. I guess. I mean, but do you remember when everybody was doing, was that? Uh, you know, after yeah, the Super right? Bowl, ever, you couldn't that's get away right. from that. I don't know if there is a, an equivalent <laughs> of like a verbal meme from commercials right now. It's almost, it's, it's kind of, we've replaced that with TikTok, you know? That's right. Well, some ad agency out there just inherited a goal. Yeah. Uh, Well, awesome, Casey. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, Where can people find you on the interwebs? Yeah, you can find me. um, I am on Twitter, however long that lasts, (laughs) at KCG. You know, I always tell people LinkedIn. I log into my LinkedIn once every like three months. So you can find me there um, or at comarketing.com. And you're actually verified. You didn't have to pay eight bucks. I didn't. Yeah, I got that a long, a long time ago before they stopped doing it. <laughs> I don't know I, how. We, okay, I was really going to try to land this plane, but we got to talk about that briefly. <laughs> <laughs> no, really. So I was thinking about this this morning. Like, if you are already verified, it seems to me super silly to pay for that. Your grandmother did. But didn't. if you're not, it seems stupid not to, <laughs> but only like for a period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
like until it normalizes and everybody realizes what's going on. How stupid it is. But for a month, you might get some extra attention if you're like, say, booking a podcast. (laughs) 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 You know, I, you know, I know that people were like up in arms about it. You want to take, take it away from me? I don't, I don't care. I don't care. You know, it it doesn't really mean, I think the whole thing is that one of Twitter's biggest issues is that the verification issue of, are you a person? Right. So if, if people want to pay for it, you know, have them prove their identity. I had to do that, right? I had to upload my ID. I had to send in these things of who I am. So have people do that. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I've been saying is it's yeah. a, it's a you know, Coinbase has a whole KYC thing. That, right. That, uh, it's, it's done in 20 minutes. Exactly. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Prove um, who we are. We could actually do this and not just have it be proof of a credit card. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or every dating app pretty much does that now, you know? Right. Like, Take a picture of yourself. Picture. Prove who you are. Right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, where was I getting out of here? Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And thanks everybody for listening to another uh, data-driven marketer. I'm Adam. I'm Mark. And I'm Casey. Take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Data-Driven Marketer. Our show is produced by Jessica Jacobson and Dan Salsius. This episode was edited by Steve Kosh. The Data Driven Marketer is sponsored by NetWise, a Dun & Bradstreet company. Any views or opinions expressed in this episode do not represent the views or opinions of NetWise or Dun & Bradstreet.